Hello and welcome back to the Sunglasses No Cap podcast. I am your host, Zabine Nguyen, and I am thrilled. I am overly excited about today's podcast because we get to talk about archetypes and their places in community. I am sitting with community builder Padme Ohm, and he has a very extensive background and career, not only in business, but also community building. I am super, super excited with the wealth of information that he has to share with us today. Some of the things that we get to talk about are archetypes and different systems of roles inside of a community building and he expresses some of the pitfalls and some of the gains and actual success that he's had in maintaining these different realms of community building. I get to talk to him about also his values, not only his values, but what he's creating in the world and I am thrilled overly excited like i said and i will link all of his links in the description he has a couple websites he has a podcast he has social media he's alive and well on those platforms and i am just really looking forward to introducing him having that conversation if you're heading over to youtube to watch that podcast i will have to say that i apologize for not checking the frame too thoroughly before pressing record and half of our faces were cut off during that but it's okay because we had a really striking audio recording. So that was the best part out of all of it. And thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for liking this podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. Like I said, I'm really excited about today's conversation. So let's just hop right in. Okay, Padme, thank you so much for blessing me with this opportunity and your presence um when i first met you you were actually um you were doing a workshop on community at a guys gathering yeah yeah and like that was the that was like the first like breaking into like this really powerful archetype that you hold and you carry and it's just um it's been a ever since then it's you've become this like person that I even like go so far as to like meditate on because you have such a hold such a high frequency mm-hmm. and you uh you really do some some good work and so uh, like when I started creating these videos in this podcast I thought to myself like for sure like I need to have you on the podcast because you have so much information a wealth of knowledge for sure great yeah thank you like I said this is my first time being on a podcast I do a lot of writing and have my own podcast out there called Awaken Earth but I haven't been a guest on one yet so I'm really excited to have my first uh, star here with you nice super cool um so I of course I asked you for some links to go and search you through the web and what I found out like what the the common theme in community is your work with archetypes Mm -hmm. and a lot of the language that we use nowadays is like this kind of like the twin flame energy and understanding how we fit in e- into each other's lives. And so I was wondering if we could just start there. Like, um, I don't I don't know if I was aware before of how integral or important archetypes are within a community setting. It's like there's an awareness of it, but it's like, mm-hmm. OK, where does the rubber meet the road? So like how how did you get into that or like how can you introduce us? to that well yeah it's definitely really important in community in business and it can also be in different relations whether um i would say i pretty much got my start from carl jung 
Um, mm. He was really big into archetypes. He came up with the 12 archetypes, four main archetypes based off of the human psyche, which is the conscious mind, the subconscious, and then the collective subconscious mind. So oh. based on those, we find patterns. So like the mm. word um, archetype is arcane, which is to identify like patterns. And then um, typo, which is like a type. So it's a type of patterns that we recognize. Mm. So does this, um, how does, how does the archetype manifest? How does this pattern, like when do you start seeing the patterns show up in a person? Well, once there's a baseline understanding of um, identifying different patterns, like say people who are really outgoing and mm. like to connect with people, like to talk, like you, I would say you're a weaver, um, oh. you know, doing what you're doing here and like connecting people to people's stories. You're helping bring knowledge to other people. So you hold an aspect of like a weaver. And when we look at archetypes, we actually hold all of the archetypes, mm. but we're pronounced more in certain patterns that can put us into a genre or into a subtext that allows us to um, give you an area with your superpower to perfect. And that's what I like about archetypes because mm. it gives you a zone of, of knowledge and power for you to play in. You know? Wow. Yeah. Cause you're able to really find yourself and then, I feel like sometimes, especially in like today's culture, what has manifested in North America is this, like, you have to be good at everything. Like if you, you have like all these subjects and if you're not good in one, then we get you a tutor instead of like, oh, okay, you're good at math. Let's get you math, math. Yeah. Right. So you're saying like, there's a way to actually like, oh, you're a weaver or what, what else would there be? Like there's someone that binds people together what else is there so in community the four archetypes that i mainly work with in community development which is um, what i learned from possibility management which is this amazing modality that covers a broad spectrum of different things is there's a game world builder so mm. game world builders like if you go to a grocery store you're in a game world like you're in a game world where they package food and they sell it to you and mm. there are certain prices for them and there are certain qualities. And then when you go to pay, you're using the game world of monetary exchange and whether you oh. use a credit card, which is their game world with interest mm. and money. So these are all game worlds that have been created by, by humans. Mm. Um, and the game world builders basically kind of hold the codex and they and are, are in community a game world builder is the visionary. Hmm. So it's the person that gets to see a way that things can be done, like a need in our culture or society. And they take that and they build this codex, this world, which be a new way of interacting, interfacing with other aspects of game worlds, whether for value or for knowledge or just for resource sharing. Mm. So that's a game world builder. Yeah. And then, I, like I said, you and myself as well as I'm a weaver. Mm. And weavers are the people that really want to get deeper into conversation. Like most conversations, what I like to call are box to box. How is the weather? Oh, how are you doing in yeah. school? How was your day? Yeah. Like that's like base level conversation. Weavers are like, hey, anything excite you today? You know, oh, like, yeah. Like they, they want to spark something deeper beneath the surface of just a basic conversation yeah 
and they want to bring people together. Mm. They want to gather. They want community. Like Kai, who runs Gaia's Gathering, she's a weaver. Mm, um, I see that. Yeah. yeah. And weavers really are about the human connection. Mm. And I, I love being a weaver. It's definitely something I do really well and yeah, you out do. there in the world. Um, then you have the guardians or the earth guardians. And so earth guardians are basically the people who enforce the rules of the game world. Mm. They're the ones that are like want structure. They, they like structure. They help onboard people into the game world on how it's done correctly. So someone doesn't just come in and like different cultures. Like if you go to a different, if you go to Africa and you did something like, you know, you, you, you didn't bow or you, you know, you drank water from the wrong place. You could be shamed for the way you did things because you're not onboarded on how their culture is. Um, So game work, the guardians kind of help onboard people into the game world and teach them how the rules are actually played. Mm-hmm. And they're also the people that support um, people leaving community or leaving the game world or exiting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, they're kind of like the ones that know the boundaries and are able to like hold them, like don't call it outside of the lines unless you show me where they yeah, are. They're almost like the yeah. police of a game world. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the last archetype within community structure is uh, the evolutionaries. Evolutionaries are the ones that see where stagnation can happen because game world builders and the guardians really like to have structure and they will play in that same realm and domain. And it's kind of like their comfort zone Hmm. where evolutionaries actually look for the discomfort in change and how can discomfort actually help us grow. We all know anyone that's been through their hero's journey or has had any hardship of heartbreak or anything. When you come out on the other side, you've gone through an evolution of yourself. Wow. And so they're found to be the shamans. They're the people that hold conflict resolution. Um, they're the healers in community. Yeah. Oftentimes they might, I'm just guessing, uh, might be like the elders in the community. They could be the elders too. And the cool thing, so... What I love about archetypes is, like you said in school, we're kind of taught these are the things that we need to do. Well, what is your truest passion? Mm -hmm. What do you actually want to do in this world? Like, get rid of any of the, you must learn this, you need to know how to do this. You like, this isn't a hyper individualistic mentality, which is the game world we currently live in in our culture. This is a game world structure that I want to be a part of and I want to build is where we actually see your superpower and put you into that domain so you can thrive mm. and do that. Yeah. Like, what do you love? You might be good at something, Yeah. but who cares if you're good at it? If this is what you love to do, you should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like, I don't, I don't even know how this fits into the kind of the lingo that we're using, but, like, being someone that's very creative and needing the outlet, like, if I am met with any resistance in my creative acts, it doesn't matter to me. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, hardship or challenge I might face. Like, I'll always find a way around it. It's because that's what I love. Because that's what you love to do. Yeah. Because challenges will seem like like just stepping stones or speed bumps that you need to get over to continue on your path of what you love to do. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing what you love to do, like, you're not really caring about making money on it. You do it because you love it. Yeah. You know? 
yeah that's how i feel with these podcasts i'm like this is my dharma like this is like what yeah, i need right. to be doing <laughs> um how did you how did you discover like this is it seems like you're like this is like the heart of who you are like you're like very much like come together so it's like how did you discover that was like it like this is where you want to be yeah so i actually spent most of my life in business and in community being a guardian because I'm very intelligent. I understand how to um, learn the rules and teach people other things. I'm a natural teacher um, in like another archetypal thing is like human design. I'm a manifesting generator, 6'2". Oh, so you hold it down. So I, Yeah. And so um, basically I took this uh, retreat called Expand the Box that we held at a community property that I was purchasing in Lyons, Colorado. And in there, we did this workshop called Game World Building. Mm. And it was based on the four lineages of the Weaver, the um, you know Game World Builder, yeah. and those four. And I found myself, they were like, well, what do you actually want to do? Mm. And it took me a minute because I was like, wow, I'm always sitting in this role. But what I really want to do is just hang out with people, have fires, you know, do podcasts invite people in to like and and have fun yeah <laughs> that's what i want to do and yeah. that brought me the most joy and so that's where i learned that i was a weaver mm. so it was it was like you you spotted it and that was like what you started moving towards um when you are connecting to like not just like it seems like what we're having a conversation about is like this really like bigger, larger than life, like this like huge, it, it feels like it's like this big thing. It's like mm. archetypes or something untouchable. It's an idea. Mm. Um, how do you bring that into your everyday practice? How do you, how do you see it manifesting um, in your really, I mean, mundane, I don't like to use that word too often, but yeah. how do you use that? Yeah, I would, well, for one, I think it's a change of mindset. And the way that we choose to just look at how we move through life. Mm. And with that means, why do I do the things that I do? And how can I take a moment to question why I do the things that I do? And when I sit back and spend a little more time with my subconscious mind, which is, I got to say, the best thing that came from the pandemic was I spent a lot of time actually delving into my own psyche. Yeah, through meditation or meditation, um, through different practices, modalities, learning and implementing out into the world and then going back home and reflecting on these things. Mm. So I started noticing my own patterns and by noticing and doing the inner work, noticing my patterns um, and taking a minute when I'm triggered and being like, I'm triggered. Why am I triggered? What's actually going on behind this trigger? And it's like, oh, I have this aspect of power and control. I want to have power over this person. So I'm triggered because they're not doing what I want them to do. Interesting. And then I realized that and I'm like, wow. So how can I let that go? Kind of be the witness of my emotion at this time, tap into the true feeling behind it and realize what's happened is I feel sad because I feel disconnected. Mm. And so once I started noticing that my theme, my underlying theme was, was sadness which a conscious sadness is to honor, is to be in connection, it's to deepen intimacy. Mm. Um, I realized that that was a part of just who the underlying tone of who I am. 
is. Mm. And within that is, is the weaver. The weaver's uh, probably primary feeling is sadness. Yeah. Or, you know, the guardian would be anger. Mm -hmm. um, and then it would be joy for game world builder. And then it would be fear for the evolutionary because fear mm -hmm. is all about change. What needs to change? What's not working? Yeah. Yeah. And you brought up the word fear. And it's like so many times I think that um, the culture will look at fear and then they'll be like, oh, we can't have that. It's all just peace and all joy and all happiness. But it's yeah. like, no, that element does play a role in survival. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, I teach a workshop called Conscious Feelings. Wow. And one of the things we do is we actually feel the four primary feelings in connection with one another. Mm. And I found the most difficult feeling for people to get into is fear. Yeah. And even when we see somebody in fear, the first thing we want to do is stop them. Yeah. But fear is information for life. All of them are information for life. Fear tells us, what is not working? What needs to change? Why do I feel unsafe? It helps you question, you know, how can I get into a more safer place in myself? So it's good to feel it. Yeah, it is good to feel it. Um, having that full spectrum of, of values, uh, emotional values. Um, I think that um, I want to, I want to go back to what you were saying about the weavers and the, and the sadness that we feel. I know that like um, when I look at your Instagram posts and stuff like that, the word warrior comes up a lot. Mm. And, and of course, like you have that. I feel like if you were a brand, the iconic like, <laughs> like that with the yeah. streak over your eye. Um, in Shambhala, in, in the heart of the warrior, it says that the, the primary and the first emotion of the warrior is sadness. And so it's like it, it is really interesting to see that like that's the archetype that like manifests that feeling because um, it can be hard whenever you see people disconnected. Yeah. Um, how have you ever felt like in a time where you were like really disconnected and then how did you overcome it? Is there something you want to share like that? Yeah, I think what comes up for me hearing that warriorness and, you know, being the weaver and knowing my my sadness is like a, a part of my archetypal like lineage of what I'm here to do is is to connect to that um, really makes me think about like my hero's journey mm. like when I went through which was a really difficult heartbreak right before COVID and um, during that time a lot of people Hurt people hurt people. You've heard that saying before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I was reinventing who I was going through a heartbreak, I didn't feel support from my community. I actually felt more ostracized by the community. Also, because I was going through a phase of rediscovering myself. So I was trying on different masks. Mm. I was trying on different aspects of like who I can be. Now I'm a shaman. Now, now I'm like a warrior. You know, yeah. now I'm a writer. And so... I was trying on all these different masks to try to figure out who I was. And what really happened is I was able to come back to myself. Mm. I let go of all the masks. I let go of trying to be anything and delved into the depths of my own heart, into mm. my own pain and felt like I sunk into the earth and felt the heartbeat of the planet really of mama earth. Mm. And, um, that 
was a journey I did on my own. I didn't have support. I didn't have brothers. I didn't have, you know, community to support during that time. And a lot of us didn't. Yeah. And through that, when I came into the earth and I felt the connection to Mama Gaia, I realized that I am from the earth. Every element, every atom in my body is the same of our planet. And I started practicing self-love practices. It started simply like just walking on the earth barefoot, picking up trash in my local arroyos around here in Santa Fe. Um, you know, speaking kindly to people when they were triggered and saying, I, I understand. Mm. I've been there too. Mm. And, and, you know, mirror work, looking in the mirror, speaking loving affirmations to myself. And that time brought me back into those levels of self-love where I know that the that the only thing that's ever going to carry me forward is my own will, my own love. I have a saying now, I move at the speed of love. I love that. Which means that I don't try to force anything anymore. If it feels loving and my heart moves forward, if I feel that pull, I engage and go into it. And if it doesn't feel loving anymore, I pull back and, and, and kind of get a view away from it and see what it looks like from a different perspective. Mm. So really, it's just coming back to myself. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, not interesting. I keep saying that. Um, but it is really interesting to me about the whole moving through something and not having a community that supports you uh, or, or not knowing how. I feel like sometimes that's kind of the, the thing that happens with ostracization. Yeah. It's like they don't know how to handle us. Yeah, and I didn't know how to reach out properly. Oh, yeah. I was kind of scared to reach out. like For rejection? Well, I would look weak. Oh. You know? Like, I would look weak if I reached out. Like, mm -hmm. here's somebody that looks like he always has his shit together. Well, guess what? I don't. Even today. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not perfect. I have moments of being in my zone. But the truth is, is we all need help. And I think the strongest people are the ones that can actually ask for it. Yeah. And it takes... I feel like it does take practice. It definitely does. Um, yeah. I think that, like, the most memorable or powerful moments in my life and recently um because i had a near-death experience and then after that it's kind of like i started actually being here <laughs> um was that i was like after that near-death experience which was like my lowest low um mm -hmm. i was filtering through a lot of masks through a lot of persona through a lot of um visions for what i thought i could create for myself because it felt very like raw and like energetically larger than life mm. And so the people that made the most impact on me were the ones that held space for me. And so it's yeah. like really cool to hear you say that like that's part of your practice or it was in the beginning at least of like reach seeing seeing people and reaching out to them being kind the way that you would have liked kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Basically being a role model for what I needed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's part of the weaver. Like, you know, uh, yeah. like what parts of me did I not get and how can I now give that to others when I see them in the spaces I've been in? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. So you, um, you see this need and you come to it and you realize that it's time for you to start issuing your love, having, being there, surrender to the circumstance, right? Um, when you said when you move at the speed of love, 
when do you how do you start to notice like oh this isn't loving anymore like how when is it like where you're like oh i want to fix that i want to but i oh right when ego comes in right well (laughs) well, what does that look like though i feel like sometimes we're so emotionally unsound with what's going on it's just like a feeling and it's like okay well do i push past that what do i do yeah i think every circumstance is different Mm -hmm. i would definitely say every circumstance is different i could give like one circumstance that I'm in right now, I'm in a uh, an open relationship, mm-hmm. and we have been together for six months um, and had nobody else in our in our field, you know. And it's just been us. It's we just got out of winter, so it's been like hibernating with this one particular woman who is is great, but we're very different. Yeah. So we know we're not really the best match for each other but we love our company and we have a really good relationship we respect each other's differences and we're actually in a shift right now Hmm. where there's another person in her life and so i notice times where i'm in the speed of love and i'm like wow i love what we're doing this feels good like i don't think we can really go any deeper and there's parts of me that want to go deeper so that's like ego Right. Being like, oh, we can make this work. Like, let's do this. And that didn't even really arise until there was another person in the field. And so what, what's happening in my subconscious is I feel like I'm losing something. Ah. And so by moving at the pace of love, I, the other night we were talking and I felt my jealousy and like how I wanted to grasp and hold on to her. And then I realized... Uh, you know, a blog I wrote a while ago that talks about how love is not fair. Love, mm. love is love and love is going to come in and do what it wants to do, despite what jobs, despite what plans you have in life. It, it Love has its own plan. Mm. And so when I realize that this is someone that she's attracted to, that she wants to connect with and realizing that the part of my ego felt like holding on, mm when I was able to dissipate that and say love is not fair and it's going to do what it wants to do. And and if love is calling you towards another person, I want to find a way to support that. Mm. And that was difficult to say, but that's moving at the speed of love. Wow. It's like really connecting with that deeper emotion and being okay with it. I mean, there's going to be parts of us that aren't. Yeah. I mean, the word compersion means to not only have jealousy but to also love the person so much that what is in their best interest is more important than your jealousy Mm. so compersion is to be in connection with both the pain Mm. and the pleasure of support Mm. and then too something that i i learned somewhere along the path is like there's this vicarious joy that we experience when we begin to have like a true oneness with the people around us mm. like when someone bites into a big juicy red apple and it's like you can almost feel yeah what that feels like i would say back to archetypes manifestors probably experience that the most in human design because manifestors are they create but they don't have the energy to sustain what they've created so they create like the apple yeah. And they get to watch other people grow it, maybe not the way they wanted it to, and, and eat it and love it. And so a lot of times they're that person that is living, they're like, oh, I helped create that, but it's it's not mine anymore. That's so funny that you say that <laughs> because, um, so in numerology, I'm a five. That's my life path number. Yeah. So I'm a manifester. Like, I felt like you're like t- 
talking right to me. Yeah, I do so much with gene keys in human design. I start yeah, just gene keys. Recognizing people's. Yeah, you're like, this is there. what you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, is I noticed that about myself, and I had someone on the podcast the other day, and she's a five as well. And so she, she's like, well, I, I do all these great things and I see them happen, they manifest, but then I don't get to see what they look like in the end. And yeah. I feel like that's the same thing for me is like, I'm always planting seeds. And then there's so much beauty in that though. Like there's, there's like the heartbreak of letting it go. Yeah. But the beauty is you're onboarding other people to your vision. Mm. That is what community is. Wow. To be a creator, the visionary, the starter of a game world or something new, and then say, look what I created and present it to the world and watch it change mm -hmm. based on how it wants to be used and implemented in a culture mm -hmm. is beautiful. Mm -hmm. That is letting go of, of ownership of what you created and actually creating the ownership collectively. Wow. Like a co-creation. A co-creation. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, wow. A, a big, a big uh, part of my worldview, because I was raised up in a very strict religious kind of upbringing. Okay. Um, so I have this kind of like biblical dynamic, but one of the first things that happened on planet Earth, according to that history. Um, so the story goes is that God, you know, Papa Dios creator came down to Adam and was like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to create? What do you want to call it? Like, oh, it has big, long legs and it's like tall and it's orange. Oh, I'll call it a giraffe. Right. <laughs> like, so it's like this kind of like, well, what do you want to do? And I, I feel like what you do for a lot of people and at least the, the space that you've held is like, OK, what do you want to do with this? This whatever the problem is or whatever the vision is. Like, I feel like you've created a space inside of you that is so comfortable that other people can be where you are at. Yeah, I would say that's just telling people that they have or supporting people to know that you have your own autonomy. Mm. Your autonomy of what you want to be, what you want to bring into the world, what you want to just do in that present moment is freedom mm. above anything else. Wow, yeah. freedom. What What's your big what's your like vision what's your what's your thing wow i i was asked this question probably like nine ten months ago i remember and it's i'm glad you're asking that because someone was like why do you want to build a community why is it so important to to build and live in an eco village which is my dream i want to yeah. create a new governance system i want to create a way to live well together to support each other, to have financial um, sharing and car resources, lower carbon footprint. Like that stuff is so important to me. And so that's that's my action. That's what I want to do. That's like, you know, my vision of what's there. Beneath the surface of that is what is called your bright principles and your dark principles. Mm. And I think every business, every community, any anything that you're doing, you should tap into your uh, your bright and your dark principles, because then you know what's behind it all. And so the depth behind mine is I came from a pretty big Italian family. My mom was the outcast and she, you know, she did a lot of drugs. She was in and out of jail. She wasn't um, the best mom for the beginning part of my life. And so I didn't really have community around me 
that I felt connected to. It was mm. Bikers. Um, she was gay. We lived in this a bunch of times living around a bunch of uh, people who are LBGGQ. And I, you know, I felt... I felt happy to be in community, but I didn't feel like the love from my mother really so much mm. in that way and felt disconnected um, from her. And so I tap into the reason why I want community and it's because I want to feel held by mother. Mm. And I realized that mother isn't my mother. She's gone. She's not here anymore. Mm. But the feeling of fully releasing um, that warrior within me and calming down my nervous system when you're held by another person where you feel totally safe and secure is a constant search for me in relationships, in community, in, in business, in financial, in my house. Um, there's this striving and I don't want to strive anymore. I want to go from striving to thriving. So beneath the reason why I want communities, I want to feel held, secured, and home. Mm. That's what I really want. That's what you want. Yeah. Um, I, the, whenever I hear the word goal, like all my schooling just pops up. Like, <laughs> um, because when setting goals um, and being clear about a vision, the steps that connect you to that is like okay so what are you doing to do that like what like what is a um timeline do you have do you have a, a timeline i feel like you're the i, I had a timeline yeah. i don't have a timeline anymore um moving at the speed of love means that what is meant for me is going to come into my field the reason why i'm sitting here with you is because we came into each other's field for a reason yeah Maybe it's just this podcast. Maybe it's more. I will always bring my curiosity of things being more than what just seems to be on the surface. Mm -hmm. And what is meant for me is still like the vision of community and being in community. How I get there, I don't really care anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just simply going to hold that vision and the frequency of what can be created. Like the feeling deep inside the joy of like this is what it feels like to be in community. This is what it feels like to be secure, to be with other people, to be in conflict with people and work our ways through it, to garden, to love each other, to raise each other's kids. I know what it feels like. Mm. So I'm just going to hold that feeling inside me. And that vibration is like sonar, right? Yeah, it is. So like I send that vibration out, like, like people manifest, you know, you have to manifest what you're feeling, your emotions, like it's actually come true, and then you release it. Mm. So I'm at a release point right now. After just closing down a 44-acre eco-village that we were starting up in Colorado, like I got really hurt, and I was like, wow, do I really want to do this? Mm. And I said, yes, but not in the way I did it before. I'm not driving. This is what we need to do. Hey, like let's do this. Because then I'm forcing people into my vision, Instead of just holding the vision of what can be in a state of love and seeing what comes. Mm. So that's where I'm at with it now. That's really And cool. it might change next time you talk to me. Yeah, well, <laughs> and hopefully it does. I mean, that's like someone once told me, um, the only thing constant is change. Mm. And it's like cycling in and out of like being okay with that. 
because that's what propels us forward. And I, I like that you're unattached because it is really difficult to um, propel something forward that other people aren't wanting to be a part of. And maybe, maybe that frequency is going to change for some people. I don't think that collectively we're getting a lot out of, I mean, this is why I'm creating a conscious living space online. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just see people mindlessly scrolling on their social medias and I'm like, okay, like a place where you can just not do that. But we do that with relationships, right? Like we, we have a conflict and then we just, okay, well, this isn't working. We're done. And then they walk out of each other's life. That doesn't work in a small community. It's also, they, we don't teach this stuff anymore. We don't teach how to manage money. We don't teach conflict resolution in mm. school. We're not teaching human interaction right. to people anymore. We're teaching people to be robots. And yeah. That, like, work nine to five, get a job, buy a house, get a wife, get a picket fence. Like, you know, like this is still kind of the dream America thing that's going on there. But that's not everyone's dream. No. It's not an your archetypal lineage might be completely different than that, and so when we let go of like what you know society says we need to do and tap into what our heart actually wants, then then we're actually following our own archetypal lineage at that point. Mm. Um. So you said you're manifesting generator. Yes. And so I'm a, I'm a manifester. I didn't even know. I looked up someone's like human design. You turned me on to human design, actually. Cool. <laughs> um, and I, I was like doing my friends. I was like, oh, it must be broken. It says manifesting generator. I was like, I didn't think that they were. I thought they were like two separate things. I was like, oh, you must be both. Like, you're just so cool. Like, like a hybrid. Yeah, in yeah. a way. But like, so what does that what does that mean for you? So there's also projectors. Isn't that right? Yeah. So just for like the viewers and the listeners, yes. like break down like the simple things. Um, the manifestors come up with the come up with things. The generators actually implement and do the thing. Mm. The projectors kind of organize and keep people like on track with the thing. And then the reflectors keep the big vision alive, so we all know that we're getting we're climbing that hill where we're going. So that's kind of the breakdown of like those archetypes within human design. Okay, so then there's like these hybrids and... And then there's only one hybrid, which is a manifesting generator. Mm. Um, which means that I'm, I still am a generator. So I have an open aura where you have a closed aura. So most of the auric fields come from manifestors. And actually, manifestors are only going to be around until 2027, and there will never be a manifestor born again. And then we're going to have a new archetype called Rave that comes out, which is going to be this new evolution of... They're going to kind of seem like autistic kids in a way, but when you put them together, they're going to share information through energetics. They're going to be way more attuned with the energetics of life than just the mental body. Wow. Yeah. How does how did how did how do you know this? How do you how did you come across this information? Uh, so, <laughs> the, I'm not remembering the person's name that came up with this, but uh, the story of how human design came to be is amazing. There's a YouTube video um, on it, and it's it's it brings in the I Ching. It's part of the chakra system. It has the yugas in there um, and also uh, astrology. So it's a hybrid of all these different 
self-knowledge modalities that are put in, it works best for me. I, you know, some people resonate with different things, but human design captures um, personality-wise and archetypal purposes, especially within the gene keys as it goes into the keys of your superpowers mm. for me. The most, um, something I study and practice, uh, one of my business partners, uh, Endon Clark, who is a human design gene keys teacher I call him a master in his realm where he actually brings business or communities together and he does everyone's human design and he gives you like a SWOT report oh right. on like how you would work together based on your archetypes within human design mm. super awesome he did it for our business tiny temples that i ran for three years up in boulder colorado wow that's super cool i think it is really important to have that self-awareness i don't think that um everybody appreciates it because they think that it's narrowing your uh your personality or it's narrowing who you your the potential of who you could be but to me it's like going back to that whole like if you're good at math like let's tutor math let's get that way up like, yeah yeah and yeah, I think all these are guidelines that should not be taken as like your only path. Yeah. But within that helps you spark ideas or activate keys within your system that might be like, wow, that is something that is so true about me and I want to learn more about that. And so it's just pathways really mm. to find out more about yourself and the more you know about your your conscious, your subconscious, the more you can tap into the authenticity of who and what you want to be and what you want to bring into the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're very tapped in. And I feel like um, I want to ask a question that feels selfish in this moment. That's totally fine. <laughs> uh, so Kali Yuga, right? We're in the Kali Yuga. Yeah. They said that we're in this like 10 year pocket mm -hmm. right now where things could like a flip of a coin, it could land on heads or it could be tails and then each one has its like own manifestation so what like wh how do you what's your worldview on that well i would you know the egyptian time of the egyptians were the peak of it of their civilization was during the golden ages mm -hmm. the kali yuga is this it's the shortest yuga it's in the darkest times and as we come out of this, we're going to be coming into Bronze Age, Silver Age, like up to Gold Age. This time, and I chose to be incarnated during this time, to be here for the Kali Yuga. You know, everything's shown that this is a time of transformation. Um, this is where we actually get to delve into our, self -con our subconscious more than anything mm. and find out why we are doing the things we do mm. what is beneath our triggers what are the shadows like the masculine and feminine shadows and um how can we bring balance because knowledge is power the more we know about ourselves know we know about the collective unconscious mm -hmm. the more we get to see what's not working so we can try something new I don't ever want to say there's a better way to do things. Right. There's just different ways that things can be done. You know, there's multiple ways to get from where we are now to this coin flip mm. in the yuga. And it's going to take 
you know, what's the 100 monkey theory? Oh, right. Uh, you know, a percentage of our population to do this work, this inner work, to make the conscious shift in our collective consciousness so we're on a better path moving forward once mm. we leave this this particular time. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's this concept in Hinduism, a word in Sanskrit, which is neti neti, which is not that. It means not that. Not that, okay. And so you, in the same way that a sculptor would go and find a piece of marble, he would take off all the things that wasn't Michelangelo. <laughs> right? Okay. Like, So it's like, oh, that, like the experience that we're having, like the universe, they say that the universe really likes lose-lose situations because it learns mm. the most of itself inside yeah. of that moment. Because it's like, oh, what? Like, I don't like that. And so it's like, not that. And I feel like we are mm -hmm. kind of coming to a, an age where it's like, ooh, okay. Let's never do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it's paving the way for, in my mind's eye, and you've brought something new to me today. A lot of many new things. But the, the rave, you called them? The new architecture. Yeah. is like we're creating safe spaces for them to exist. Wow, yeah. I would love to see that i think it's where we actually don't judge these children who come out seeming autistic yeah. but see them as a new evolution that we just don't understand yet yeah and bring curiosity instead of judgment where we psychologies and these doctors refine them as being add or autistic or something be like no this is a human and they're paving a new way of doing things that we don't understand yet yeah. so let's just learn from them Mm. that would be great <laughs> yeah I, I know that would just be right and like what a concept right let's just learn yeah let's bring curiosity instead of judgment into this next evolution that we're moving into mm. yeah um the Nako bear says it the best i'm a teacher i know nothing i'm a student i know something <laughs> Ooh, yeah that's right love that line he who knows the Brahmin does not know the Brahmin, and he who does not know the Brahmin knows the Brahmin. Yeah. <laughs> That's another way of saying yeah. Hinduism. Mm. Is there anything that you feel like you wanted to talk about and touch on, but you didn't get the chance? Hmm. I mean, I would say... Since we're talking about archetypes and in like community and the new way that we're shaping the world. This seems to be a lot of our conversation and curiosity here at the end. I say the thing that I really want to bring is, yeah, I would really love to see people seeing that there's a vision, but the way to get to the vision is to uncondition mm. what we've learned and learn a new way of doing things. Um, you know, I go to these gatherings and people are like, let's buy land and let's build a community together. And I'm like, please don't. Yeah. Like they're all high. They're, they're all, we high. should just we do should this just do all this. the time. So I would say the biggest thing to work through is interpersonal conflicts mm. and learning how to be in right relation with one another is the foundation of any business, any community, any civilization, anything that we do collectively, the base level is how can we speak our truths, even if it feels painful to hear. 
be with that pain with the individual that you're in connection with so you can move through it and be like why is that pain there Mm. is it old conditioning is it your box of beliefs that i am breaking because you don't believe that Mm. and work through these differences to reach a level of understanding and respecting each other's differences Mm. like i'm doing in my current relationship you know we're different we're not meant to be getting married or yeah. having this thing, but what works for us right now works great. So let's let's work on this plane of existence and like plant the flag and say, this is where we're starting from. And this is a great starting point. Hmm. Yeah, wow. Um, and then to end, um, if you could give advice to someone that was moving through something that was difficult, uh, either a hard emotion or or um some sort of conflict what's what's like the number one piece of advice or something you would love to say to them i would say be courageous enough to ask for support Hmm. and look around the people that you have around you um you know, who, who are the people that you actually feel like is going to understand you the most and be courageous enough to ask for support and, and speak the true depths of your own comfort without sugarcoating it to someone. You will create amazing, deep intimacy with this person, probably become best friends with them or multiple if it's in a community and be willing to be a little vulnerable. You know, if the people that you open up to and be vulnerable and share these things judge you, they're not the people that are meant to be in your life anyway. And so really you saved yourself. And that just means you need to go find a new different group of people or new friends that are willing to go to these depths and have these difficult conversations. And so there's help out there. Mm -hmm. There's help. And we just need to ask for it mm. yeah. wow Thank we all s- want to support each other yeah <laughs> yeah we do we really i think we really really do and i think that um it's starting as more people are like holding the space of like come out and play i think that more people are going to accept the invitation mm-hmm. yeah. and uh and i'm really starting to see it happen and change this conversation feels very aligned and very like bigger larger than this moment you know so i'm really grateful for you um yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I know that people can find you on your website and um, you have your Instagram and your Facebook. People can follow you on Facebook, I believe. Yep. Um, and you rewild people. You also hold shadow workshops and stuff like that. So I was doing a lot of the shadow workshops. I haven't done many yet okay. um, or recently. Um, I'm tapping more into the shadow side of Gremlin, which okay. is what I learned in possibility management, but not in a place of teaching that stuff yet but i love talking about it and supporting people if they want to learn more about how to tap into their shadows and subconscious in that way okay cool yeah and uh we'll put all that in the descriptions and everything uh put it fully aligned but thank you so much Padme. yeah man sharing your time it's like so valuable for sure thank thank you you so much yeah i really appreciate it glad to be sitting here with you glad you're you're doing this and uh yeah, wish you luck on your journey and your, you. your dreams to come true. 
for having me. <laughs> What's happening? Thank you.